I'm sure we are all concerned by the escalating conflict currently taking place between Israel and Palestine, as well as the loss of lives, including children. War is a tragedy and causes so much pain and trauma. May we continue to pray for peace to prevail. Kevin Connor had a particular interest in Israel and God's plans and purposes for this people group, both historically and in our time. This is a sensitive topic, and he always sought to handle it with both grace and truth. A copy of the handout notes for this teaching series can be downloaded for free as a PDF or Word document at www.kevinconnor.org forward slash Israel. Also, the material from this teaching is covered extensively in three particular books by Kevin Connor, What About Israel, Restoration Theology, and New Covenant Realities. Visit his website for further details. Although given well over a decade ago, we hope that this timely teaching will assist you in navigating these current times with both faith and wisdom. Okay, now let's go to uh, continue the scripture, a letter C there. Go to Matthew chapter 23. Now remember what we're doing. We're looking at what Jesus said. So it's not what Connor said. So I'm not anti-anybody. Uh, we'll, we'll hopefully balance it all out. All right, Matthew chapter 23. So we've had Matthew chapter 21, Matthew chapter 22, now Matthew chapter 23. Uh, is that right? Yeah, uh, Matthew 23 and go to verse, yeah, where we were, verse uh, 37, we pick up. Oh, Jerusalem, now you have to, you, you know, I've got to watch, I don't cry myself here, but you have to feel the heart of Jesus. You know, after all the cities being through and the, the most wonderful city on the place of the earth, the holy city of God, and now the Messiah has come and now they've rejected him or they're about to reject him, his blood be on us. So he's coming to the close of his ministry. So you have to feel the heart of Jesus in these things. So he says in verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to you. How often I wanted, or oh, I like old King James on this, how often would I have gathered your children together, even as a hen gathereth their chickens under her wings. I would, but you would not. So you can feel the heart of Jesus on this. I mean, he's coming to the close of his ministry. He's about to be crucified. That's the last they're going to see of him. And then notice what he says in verse 38. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Now, very quickly, I have to give sweeping statements here. Jesus cleansed the temple twice at the beginning and end of his ministry. But each time he said, my father's house, my father's house is a house of prayer. And he cleansed it. And it was all in fulfillment of the prophecy uh, of Malachi the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, but who may abide the day of his coming? Because he's going to cleanse it. That was the last prophecy. So Messiah, they're challenging, where did you get the authority to do this? It was the authority from the Father. He's fulfilling Malachi's prophecy. Come suddenly to his temple. Now after the second cleansing, they reject it. And so what does he say now? Words, behold, your house. No longer my father's house, but your house. Underline that word, your house. So what's he doing? We, we, we're going to see in a moment because there's no chapter divisions when Matthew wrote, your house is left unto you desolate. 
I have heard that word before, Leviticus 26. Desolate your land, desolate your sanctuaries, desolate you, desolate. Desolation, I've heard it from Daniel, chapter 9. Desolation, the desolation, he feels it. For I say, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And you know, the last the, the, the Jewish world and last any unbelieving world saw of Jesus was hanging on the cross. Hanging on the cross. They never saw Jesus after that. Now, uh, hold, hold uh, uh, turn to Acts chapter 10, but hold Matthew 23 still. I get these flash thoughts, so while they're there, I throw them at you. Uh, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, and this is really important. Now, I've just made a statement, and can I prove it? Yes. The last the Jewish world or anybody in the unbelieving world ever saw of Jesus was hanging on the cross. Now, listen to Acts chapter 10, and uh, verse, uh, we'll pick up in verse uh, 39. Acts 10, verse 39. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people. Now, I've said this before in some, some seminar I've been at. If I had have been Jesus, you know what I would have done? Uh, if I'd been an Australian Jesus and popped up out the resurrection, I would have popped over Pilate's bedroom and scared the hell... Uh, <laughs> No, scared the living daylights out and say, okay, Pilate, here I am, catch me out if you can, and then disappear. And then I would have popped over to Herod's place and scared the living daylights out. I would have had a wonderful time. (laughs) And you're laughing with me, not at me, okay? You would have done the same. But Jesus didn't do it. God raised him from the dead and showed him openly, but not to all the people. Who to? Read it. But unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. That's it. So the last the world ever saw of Jesus and the Jews was hanging on a cross. They never saw the resurrected Christ. Only chosen people. Wow. That's clear, isn't it? Now, had it been me, I would have had fun. Anyway... Aren't you glad Jesus, I'm not Jesus? I'm trying to be like, okay, back to Matthew now. That was a digression for someone. Now, notice in chapter 24, verse 1, and you've heard, some of you have heard me say this before. This is what I call a physical symbolic act. Jesus went out. Now, out from where? Your house is left unto you desolate. I would, but you wouldn't. Your house, no longer my father's house, no longer my house. And Jesus went out and departed. So note the physical thing. It's a physical, symbolic act. He went out and departed from the temple. Never to go back again because the temple was going to be destroyed, which he prophesied. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Now notice in verse 2, Jesus prophesied the destruction of the temple. Desolation. And Jesus said to them, 
See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And then he asked the threefold question in verse 3. As he sat, no, a physical symbolic act, on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came unto him privately saying, Number one, tell us when shall these things be? Number two, what will be the sign of your coming? Number three, of the end of the age. That's it. Okay. All right, now let's go to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. And remember, this is still the words of Jesus. They're not my words. I, I don't read these things in any, you know, boasting way. I still feel sorry. I, I, I told you last week, I pray for Israel every morning. But do you know how I pray? I pray that God will pour out his spirit on them and open their eyes to their long-rejected Messiah. That's how I pray. That they might be saved. That's it. So when people say, oh, well, Kevin's anti-Semitic. I'm not anti-anybody. I've proven that. Luke chapter 19. This is sad. And verse uh, 20, uh, 28, verse 41 and 41 to 44 and verse 28. Let's see. Verse 28. Verse 28, and after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Uh, is that the one I want? No. Uh, I'm in the wrong chapter. Help me. 19. What verse do I want? 28. Let's go to 41, maybe. Now, no, I've got the wrong chapter. Uh, it's where Jesus was weeping over the city of Jerusalem. Verse 19. Oh, I'm in the wrong gospel. I'm glad you're listening. I really feel encouraged. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I have a dual translation and I get in the wrong column sometimes. Okay, Luke 19, that's better. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for helping me. Yes, so verse 28, And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem, geographically, spiritually. Then we go down to verse 41, and, and as I said, you have to feel the heart of Jesus over this. When he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Can you picture? You know, I, I've been to Jerusalem. Uh, by the way, I've got to give a little commercial for Delgit. They have two more places for anybody who wants to go. He's taking the, he and Germit are taking a tour to Jerusalem next year, I think it is. Only two more places left. He said, would I give a commercial? Here it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, well, oh, they're taken, are they? Okay, sorry, they're gone. Yeah. But, but when I was in Jerusalem, I was on, on the Mount of Olives in a hotel there, and I actually wept. As I was looking over the city, the city of peace, and the wonderful ministry they'd had in those three and a half years. And what had happened. And the trouble. Wow. How much more Jesus. 
And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. And notice the language. I mean, every, every sentence is inspired saying, If you had known, if you'd only known. And that's how people, you know, you look at the lost and say, If they only knew. Even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, Jerusalem the city of peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. And listen to this prophecy now. For he's moved from the parabolic now to the prophetic. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment or a trench around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave uh, in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Can, how many can feel the heart of Jesus? I just feel that when I weep, I say, Lord, you knew. That's it. Okay, AD 70. Oh, uh, yeah, Luke 21. I've given, uh, Luke 21. Yeah, Luke 21, I've got it on there, sorry. Uh, and verse 20, yes. Luke 21, verse 20. And what does he say? And note the change here. For when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Think of that desolation. Then let those who in Judea flee the mountains, let those who are in the midst of her depart, let not those who are in the country enter into her. For these be the days of vengeance. Now, how many can flash your mind back? When Jesus went into the synagogue and began his ministry, they gave him the book of Isaiah. And as he read, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the broken heart, so forth and so forth. And he stopped right in the middle of verse because the next part of the verse says, uh, And the day of vengeance is in my heart. There was no vengeance then. But now he says, These are the days of vengeance that all things that are written may be fulfilled. Woe to them are with child that give suck. In those days there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon these people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. Notice this now, this is important. Jerusalem, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. Now we're going to get into that in a moment. What about Jerusalem now? What's happening in the Middle East? What's going to happen? Okay, trodden down of the Gentiles until when? Not the fullness of the Gentiles. Remember, there's a difference between the fullness of the Gentiles in Romans 11 and the times of the Gentiles. Now, we dealt with time, times, half a time, whatever, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Okay, Jerusalem's hot, hot, hot. Okay, all right, now, let's go to number 24 quickly here. Uh, A.D. 70, the times of the Gentiles, Luke 25, 21, I've given you that. History. So in A.D. 70, the Roman armies came in and destroyed the city. And if you want to any ghastly reading, read Josephus on the destruction of Jerusalem, where they were cooking their own babies, according to the Deuteronomy judgment cooking their own babies and fighting over the last bit of baby they were to eat. It's, it's the most hideous reading I've ever read. Huh? And then I've got a whole history in this book I've done here of the history, what's happened. Emperor 
Julian attempted to rebuild the temple and failed. The Arabs under Omar conquered Jerusalem. The Dome of the Rock was built there. The Mosque of Omar, built on the temple site, stands there today. 1917, Jerusalem was surrendered to the English under Gen- General Allenby. And the, the Arabs thought Allah B. They thought it was the name of Allah B. And they surrendered without a shot. So we've got to see some significance there. In AD 40, 1948, Israel became a state. April, AD 1967, June the 5th, the whole of the city became, fell into the hands of Jewry, Israel. I want you to turn to Zechariah, a couple more here, and then uh, we're going to go way down to Book of Revelation a bit. Then I'm going to change uh, scenes here. Uh, go to Zechariah chapter uh, 12, 13 or 14. Okay, two things I want to pick up here because of time. Uh, letter A and letter B. So in Zechariah chapter 12, that's all I want. Verse 2, for time's sake. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling a cup of drunkenness, a cup of poison, a cup or bowl of reeling, different translations say. And Jerusalem is a hot, hot potato. Now, what I want you to do is uh, come with me. Uh, We've looked at three and a half years. In AD 70, as you've got on the diagram, Jerusalem was ransacked. I've got a whole history of all the trouble over Jerusalem that's happened over the years. And here we are way down here. So Jerusalem is a cup of trembling, a cup of poison. And it says all the nations that touch it, they're going to have it. That's for sure. Then in verse 3, and in that day, what day? Read Zechariah 12, 13, 14, where Jesus comes back and stands on the Mount of Olives. He ascended from the Mount of Olives. He will come back to there. You can't mistake that. You can't allegorize that. Then it says in verse 3, In that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone, a heavy stone and immovable rock for all people, all that burden themselves with it, shall be cut in pieces. We think of the uh, USA president of dividing the city and everything, uh, everything that's going on. I, I don't need to go into what's happening in the newspaper. You can read it for yourself. But this is happening. It's a cup of poison. It's a cup of trembling. It's a burdensome stone. All the nations and what they want to do with the city. Why? Because something's yet to happen. Okay, now I want you to go number 26. You doing okay? I want you to go to the book of Revelation. And we're on number 26. Now, here we are, we believe, in the last of the last days. So here you could put that in if you want, to the church age. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit, the last days. So we're in the last of the last days. We're coming up to this time, times, and half a time I talked about on our first night here. And I want you to go to something here. Uh, read that, verse uh, number 26. Last half of the 70 week, this is how I understand it. Jerusalem will come into great prominence under the reign of the Antichrist and the ministry of the two witnesses. You find that in Revelation uh, chapter 11. Let's go to Revelation 11. Verse 
All right, now we can only touch on some spots here, otherwise we get into a lot of eschatological thing. Revelation chapter 11, uh, verse 1, and I'm reading from New King James. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And uh, you've heard me do a series on this 100 years ago. Those of you in Waverly Christian Fellowship, the angel stood saying, number one, rise. Number one, measure the temple of God. Number two, measure the altar. Number three, measure the worshippers. Anybody that old that was here when I did that series? Mrs. Connor, are you that old? Yeah. But listen to the language now. I can't back on that. Leave out the court which is outside the temple. Do not measure it. Three things measured, one unmeasured. Wow, that's a whole four Sundays there. For it has been given to the Gentiles. And I think I've heard this language before. They will tread the holy city underfoot 42 months. Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Gives you a few clues. Then in verses 3 on which we have two witnesses. And because I'm talking to a very intelligent congregation. (laughs) Very good on the right side, sick on the left side. These two olive trees, what do they do? Gives you a clue, though they're not named. Anyone wants to harm them, verse 5, fire proceeds out their mouth, devours their enemies. Anyone wants to harm them, must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut up heaven, that no rain falls on the days of their prophecy. Who's the only one that ever shut up heaven that did not rain? Elijah. Elijah, and he did it for three and a half years. Time, times, and half a time. And... They have power over waters to turn them to blood, strike the earth with all plagues as often as they do. Who's the only one that did that? Moses. Moses. And why do those saints who come out of great tribulation sing the song of Moses and the Lamb? What's Moses got to do with it? Read my book. Okay. Now, go to verse verse 8. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, and no mistake about it, where also our Lord was crucified. A couple of thoughts, we refer to it later on. Spiritually Sodom. Sodom had two witnesses and was destroyed by fire and brimstone. Egypt, spiritually Egypt. Egypt had two witnesses and is destroyed by plagues most of which are repeated in the book of Revelation. And no mistake in the city where our Lord was crucified. And then, after three days and a half, they're killed, and they don't bury them. It's good television news, two prophets, and then resurrection, and then ascension. Now notice verse 13, what happens to the city of Jerusalem? It's no mistake, you can't allegorize it here. And the same hour was there a great earthquake. And the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000. So Jerusalem is destined for a great earthquake. It's going to cause it to fall. 7,000 people will be ushered into eternity. You can't allegorize this chapter as... I've heard some ministers do. 
Anyway, hold that. Now, let's go to our ne- next lesson here. I want to make time for questions. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so remember the last words of Jesus before he's crucified. Now, let's go to uh, session six here for our last number of moments. And then we're looking at the heavenly Jerusalem. Now, what we want to do here now is I want, in this overview of earthly Jerusalem, I want to see what Jesus and the apostles now say, because in AD 70, the earthly city of Jerusalem is destroyed. The temple is destroyed. Jews have never had a temple since. They've reclaimed the city. So uh, how many see that Jerusalem's a hot potato? We're safe on that. A burdensome stone. Now, what, do the, what does Jesus and the New Testament writers say? Let's go to John chapter 4, and we'll see what Jesus says to the woman at the well. Let me make a statement here, because what we find in these statements is that Jesus and all the New Testament writers, or those who write, referring to it, they are all trying to get the children, the Christians' eyes off earthly Jerusalem onto the heavenly Jerusalem. That's what I'm saying. So let's see how they do it. John chapter 4, the woman at the well. You can read verse 20 to 24. Jesus comes on the scene talking to the woman at the well. And after getting a word of knowledge, you have had five husbands in verse 18. And the guy you're living with now is not your husband in that you said truly. No wonder the woman said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. How many think you've got a word of knowledge like that? You say, oh, he could be a prophet. Then she starts arguing over places of worship. Listen to what Jesus said. The word worship is used at least 10 times in verses 20 to 24. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Now the mountain there was Mount Gerizim in Samaria. She's a Samaritan. They had a temple in Mount Gerizim. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, Mount Gerizim. You say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says to her, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain, Mount Gerizim, nor Mount Moriah, nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know, you know not what. We know what we worship, salvations of the Jews. But now, notice two little words he adds. But the hour comes and now is. Verse 21, the hour is coming. But the hour comes in verse 20 and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father seeks such to worship him. All right, briefly, if you want to make a note, Jesus is repudiating Jerusalem as a place, the only place of worship. Now God was particular about places. Add one scripture I want you to give to that because when Paul... And the New Testament writers pick it up. Listen to what Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Put it down there. 
Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, unto the church of God, which is Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Remember, Jesus said, where? What's where mean? Anywhere, everywhere, where? That's the place. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. The place and the name. We remember Deuteronomy 12, chapter 12. The place for his name. So Jesus is repudiating Jerusalem as a place of worship. You don't need to go to Jerusalem. This sheep shed's all right. All the sheep said? Amen. Amen. All right. Number two, what Paul said. Galatians chapter 2. Uh, four. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm sorry, trying to cover so much here. Okay, so Galatians chapter 4. Now, let me read the scripture, and you try and uh, what I'd recommend between now and when Jesus comes, or the millennium, whatever. Put down two columns and seize what he sa- see what he says about earthly Jerusalem and heavenly Jerusalem. Listen to what it says here. Tell me, verse 21, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written, Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman and the other by a a free woman. But he who is of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. Which things are an allegory for these? These what? Abraham had two sons. These two sons are an allegory. These are two covenants. These are the two covenants. What? The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to the bond, to bondage, which is Hagar. Now notice he, uh, he likens earthly Jerusalem and Mount Sinai, where they received the Ten Commandments, the law, to Hagar, the bondwoman. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. And corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is. And is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are in, not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she which has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Natural, national birth or heavenly, spiritual birth. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So we, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. I want to ask you, which, where are your eyes? Which Jerusalem have you got your eyes on? I got one eye on earthly Jerusalem because it's going to get worse and worse and the worst is yet to come because of what I said last Sunday night. But I got my eyes on a heavenly city because I belong to the Jerusalem which is above. You've got to know which city you belong to. And it's very interesting in the book of Revelation, hard stuff to say, but factual. Everybody is going to take 
the name of a city upon them according to the character that they manifest. So, why are people in the good old Bibles, the more politically correct translations, don't say it, they are called sodomites. Why? Because they take on the nature and the character of the city. But in Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, put it down, Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, to him that overcomes, I will write upon him the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven out of God. I have a name of a city on me, and I want to take on the character of that city, which is holiness. How many can say amen? How many get the point? Hey. Yeah. So that's what Paul said, and on my notes here, too much to go into, but uh, the old covenant, Ishmael, Hagar, bondwoman, bondson, Mount Sinai, Arabia, Jerusalem, which now is. The new covenant, Isaac, Sarah, free woman, free son, Mount Zion, Canaan land, Jerusalem, which is above. The old covenant city in bondage, less children, Ishmael, children of the flesh, born after the flesh, cast out, not to be heir. The Mosaic or old covenant, yoke of bondage, earthly Jerusalem, it's all there. On the other side, freedom, mother of us all, heavenly Jerusalem, more children, Isaac, Born children of the Spirit, born of promise. So it is now. Remains in the house. New covenant. It's all, it's all there. Just do. So enjoy your trip to Jerusalem. I've been there and done that. Okay. Now, let's go quickly for our last few moments, and then we'll open it for questions. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews and see. I think Paul wrote Hebrews, but I'm glad somebody did. Hebrews chapter 11. We're coming in for a landing now. Hebrews chapter 11, which I read before, but, we're, but uh, I hope you get the point. All the New Testament writers now, they're trying to get their eyes off the earthly Jerusalem that's about to be destroyed in uh, AD 70 and get your eyes onto the heavenly Jerusalem. That's all I'm saying. So I've got one eye on the earthly Jerusalem, watching events there, but I've got my eye on the heavenly Jerusalem. That's where I'm going. Everybody said amen. amen. All right, just the particular verses. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, oh, you should have eight, eight or something there. Yeah, verse 10. He looked for a city. That's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And then go down to verse uh, 16. For now, they desire a better company, a better country, pardon me, that is a heavenly, wherefore a heavenly country, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So what city is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob looking for? See, so why do we have some funny ideas that in the millennial kingdom there's going to be a rebuilt temple, Bells and smells, incense and nonsense, and all the rest of it. And we're going to all go up to earthly Jerusalem to keep the feast, or we come under the curse of God. Why do we do that? Just read, and I'm just giving you the big overview. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. 
nine things after comparing Mount Sinai and the mountain that may be burned. But he says, now nine things you come to, but you are come unto Mount Zion, not Mount Sinai, and unto the city of the living God. Which Jerusalem? The heavenly Jerusalem. That's it. Where we come to? The heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. And to innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, the church of the firstborn. Two, 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 two. Eight or nine things we come to. Go to chapter 13. Three chapters, chapter 11, 12, and 13, all talk about their city. And remember, Hebrews is written just about 10 years or so before earthly Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70. So the writer of the Hebrews is saying, okay, this city's going to go soon, but get your eyes on the heavenly city. Hebrews 13, verse 14, and it says, For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Pretty clear, isn't it? Let's go to Revelation. Our last couple of scriptures. Revelation chapter 3, I've already said it, but we'll say it again. And verse uh, 12. It's writing to the... Uh, where am I? Revelation... Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter again. Wait till you're up here and you have to do this at 85 years of age. Okay, him that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go no more out and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God which is New Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from God, my God and I'll write upon him my new name. That's the city I want to be. Holy city. Revelation chapter 11 verse 8. I've said enough on that. Revelation chapter 21. At the end of the book, hallelujah, we win. Revelation chapter 21 and uh, we read verse 21, verse 22, I think. Anyway, read it all. Read the Bible. No, that's not, that's not the one I want. Uh, we'll go to Revelation, yeah, verse 1. Uh, I think that's a mistake there. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Everything's new. I'm looking for a new heaven, aren't you? Because this old heaven and this old earth are going to pass away. So I'm looking for a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. You're going to need that type of land to fit in all the redeemed. Whereas the sea divides the nations. Praise God. Um, then then I, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Holy city. I told you last week, I think, when I was in the holy city of Jerusalem, I'm looking for some souvenirs. And I find all these books on homosexuality, Gay Pride Day, and where the Gay Pride marches, they said, we want to make Jerusalem the city of Sodom. Some of you should have seen that. It was in the newspapers here. 
Okay. Now, one more scripture, and then we've got to go back to the first thing I said at the beginning, make sure I've still got some friends here. Turn to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Psalm 46. And uh, verse 4 and 5. Now this is interesting. Psalm 46, verse 4 and 5. And it says, There is a river... The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. Her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. Did you know that earthly Jerusalem never had a river? What city is he talking about? There is a river. And in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, 22, John sees the river of God and the trees of life, which man lost in the original book of Genesis through sin. He sees the tree of life restored. There is a river, the streams of make glad the city of God. It's the heavenly Jerusalem. That's the city I'm looking for. All right, let's turn over to our last page and then... We'll open up for questions. And remember, I've got my bulletproof vest on. Conclusion. Upon which Jerusalem have we fixed our eyes upon? The earthly Jerusalem and its history, glorious and inglorious, are evident. Its final end is clear and evident. The final dealings of God come on this city and the people of Israel. So I see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's a cup of poison to all nations, a burdensome stone to all who touch it. Two witnesses minister here until their death and resurrection. Antichrist uh, rules, I believe, here from Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, three and a half years. Uh, I'll do this next week, but Babylon and Jerusalem, two cities. There's an earthquake, a tenth of the city falls, 7,000 people die. Close of biblical history on earthly Jerusalem is seen in Revelation. And Jerusalem spiritually is as Sodom and Egypt and destroyed in like manner. But we look for a city whose builder and maker is God. New and holy and heavenly Jerusalem, the dwelling place of the redeemed for all eternity. So now back to the original question. Should we pray for the peace of Jerusalem? How many would say yes? Hands up. Some of you are still uncertain. Yes. But did you know in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 47, it says, pray for the peace of Babylon. How many have been praying for Babylon lately? All the people who tell me you're under a curse if you don't pray for Jerusalem, I say, well, the same Bible says to Judah when they, when they went into Babylon captivity, Pray for the peace of Babylon, for in the peace of Babylon you will have peace. And then, number three, when you get to Paul's writings, Paul says, pray for kings and those, all those in authority and pray for the peace. Because in the peace of the city that you live in, you will find peace. We should be praying for Melbourne. We should pray for Canberra. 
We should pray for Sydney. We should pray for cities here. You should pray for other cities. So we pray for Jerusalem. But I pray, not for the city, but God will pour out his spirit and open their eyes to their rejected Messiah. So things are going to get worse and worse in that city, but I'm glad I'm looking for a heavenly city. Watch events in the earthly city, but keep your eyes on the heavenly city. All right, so I'm done. I hope I've still got some friends here. Any questions for our last few moments? Okay, uh, stand up and speak up. Uh, uh, have we got a, uh, another mic here? Um, all right, well, come on out the front. Don't be afraid. I won't hurt you. Hope you've got something out of this session tonight. It's a tough session to work on. Yeah. Okay, just in regards to when you talked about the two witnesses. Yes. When Jesus says that um, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Yes. If, if, um, if Elijah hadn't died yes. and Moses has died, mm-hmm. could it be possible that that second witness could be Enoch? because he's the only other one that didn't taste it. Yeah, what's your name again? John. John, okay. John, good question. I hope I've got a good answer. Paul says, now, if Enoch is going to be one of the two witnesses, and uh, the reason they tell me on this, John, is that, say, it's appointed under man once to die, and that Enoch never died, therefore he's got to come back and die to fulfill his appointment. If that's so... That means that every living Christian must die before Jesus comes. But Paul says, I show you a mystery. We're not all going to die. So some people are going to be alive to the coming of the Lord. So if Enoch is to come back and die, God has left himself without witness. Because there's only one witness. Moses died and I believe was raised again. Elijah is to die. And so if Enoch is to die, God's left himself without witness of the church that never dies. So I believe there's going to be a church that will never die, that will be alive to the coming of the Lord. I would like to see the uptaker, not the undertaker. It's only a hope. I haven't got faith for it. That's my my answer. So think about that. Okay, good question though, John. I've had that before. Okay, somebody else? Don't be a bunch of chickens now. Uh, yes, uh, Josh. Joshua, come, come on out the front, Josh. Let everybody see your good-looking face there. Um, with, the, with the new heaven and new earth, thing, mm-hmm. do you reckon, or what's your perspective on whether the earth itself will sort of get destroyed and there'll be a new earth, or mm-hmm. do you think it's a redemption of the current? Yes, uh, that's a good question. Just stay here, Joshua. I'd like to look at you. <laughs> I'm answering you. Uh, good question. This is how I understand it. Uh, that Second Peter chapter 3 corresponds with um, Revelation 20 and 21. And you find there that it says, the heavens and the earth were in the water and out of the water. I think that refers to the days of Noah, the flood, or way back even in the beginning, the Spirit of God moved on the face of the world. But it says, the heavens and the earth, which are now, 
are reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So in my present understanding, I believe that this planet Earth will become the lake of fire for all eternity. People have been born and lived and died for it. Satan wandered this planet, and God will sort of put a little notice up on the planet Earth. Uh, crime does not pay. And that's why I believe at the end of the, my millennium that we are taken away to a new heavens and new earth. Uh, and this is after the great white throne judgment left as the lake of fire. It's reserved under fire. The day of judgment gives you the time. Perdition of ungodly men. That's how I understand it. Okay. Good question, Josh. All right. Anybody else? One more question going. Oh, yes. Come on out the front. You were key of knowledge at the concentration camp, weren't you? Uh, speak up so everybody can hear. Just before you made a comment that, um, I haven't got my glasses, Hebrews related to another chapter. Yeah. What I'm trying to understand, thank you, how do you know that? How do you know that? And it's probably through study. You made a comment, you said Second Peter 3 relates to Revelation 20. Yes. How do you know that? Because uh, I've done Kianali seminar about <laughs> f- so uh, 40 times. Yeah, well, as a as, as comparative mention principle, as I look at Second Peter chapter three and Revelation, uh, I think maybe chapter nineteen twenty, I find last days, a thousand years, and I find thousand years here, and then a day of judgment and great white throne judgment. So when I use the comparative mention principle, I say this helps me understand that. Good question. All right, I think we're done. I'm done, overdone. God bless you and thank you for being such a wonderful bunch. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.